This is Strange Assembly episode 285, Jumpstart. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Mike Cook. Yo! And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. We're going to be talking today about Jumpstart for Magic the Gathering, the limited play-focused expansion. It, now, the, the expansion itself released uh, about a week and a half ago. I don't know about Mike. I've been playing it, w- with the exception of the two packs that I got for pre-ordering Corset 2021, I have been playing it entirely on Magic Arena because there have been production delays due to the COVID situation, and I am not paying double price for a box of anything, really. No. <laughs> no. Like, especially because they're not supposed to be limited release. Yes, once it, it gets going, it will get going, hopefully. Uh, it As I, I think we touched on briefly in the course at 2021, I, I am curious to see how the lesser amount of play in stores affects how much jumpstart ultimately gets printed because people just aren't like sitting around at the store going like hey want to play jumpstart let's sure let's kick it in let's go my feeling is actually that it will probably still do okay because the one place they made sure and this is probably not great for flgs's but the one place they made sure did have stock of it was target i'm sure and i don't know about walmart or not but i wouldn't be surprised if it was there as well and i'm sure part of it is that you know usually those big boxes have like very strict contracts to my understanding so if you don't deliver it's bad but also like this to me is what the theme booster always should have been and it works really really well out of a big box right like oh me and my friend each buy two packs we can put together a deck and play against each other right and it's about the same it's probably a little bit less than like what a dual deck used to be and they're balanced ish and we can have some fun or whatever so i bet they're gonna do the same where like the theme boosters are because I suspect that they do pretty well in the big boxes. So with the proviso then that most of my play of Jumpstart is actually on Arena, I I really do like the limited play. So we're, we're going to talk about the limited play. We're going to talk about what we think about the the new cards that are in Jumpstart and what do we think about the reprints are in Jumpstart, which is a very different meaning for Arena versus physical magic. But for the actual play, so far, I think Jumpstart is great, and especially when I when I think about if we were having physical, right? This is a hypothetical. If we were having physical, I think Jumpstart would be a lot better for us than Draft, the way that I often play, because when I am at a store, when I would have been at a store and doing Draft, there's a good chance that I've got a kid with me. And so now it becomes much like time becomes much more of an issue when you have like the amount of time it takes to do the draft and the amount of time it has to play the matches and just how that line that goes out. And while I really like I like drafting, there's a real upside for me with a kid there in the fact that with Jumpstart, you can just throw these two things together and start playing right away. No muss, no fuss. Nobody has to deck build. Uh, again, I, I understand you're eliminating a significant part of, of what makes draft nifty. So it, it's, it's, but I think it's a really worthwhile alternative to draft for quick limited play. Yeah. I mean, I have not done physical either. I've also only done online. 
I have a little bit of reservation about it, but overall, I, I really, really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It's really not that different from draft. I mean, most of my things that I'm concerned about, most of my concerns about the product are just that sometimes people get like two really strong packs, and some packs are very consistent and very strong, and you just get <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, and those games can be not very fun. Although I think, too, Arena's probably skewing my perspective on this because of how it was released there. But overall, I think it's really, really good. And especially, you know, there's no saying that Jumpstart has to be just one product. They could keep putting it out and adjust it over time, right? They could adjust what packs are in. They could adjust numbers, all this type of stuff. And I think that's actually a really good way of keeping this product evergreen and exciting because you don't know what's coming in. And I think it is really good with that. And if they worked a little bit harder to balance some of the packs, I think it'd be really good. Although there's there's something to be said for a little bit un, of unbalance, because if I'm an experienced player and you're not, I might take the bad packs to help balance that pack out. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess you could do that. Well, because one thing I've heard suggested, which it, it, it feels weird to do, is is essentially in a physical product version, like, you know, you could get a box of Jumpstart or something and then essentially just mix and match all the different combinations to produce different experiences mm -hmm. still without any deck building. Yep. That kind of feels like a... In fact, it was explicitly in that context compared to, like, Smash Up or, a, you know, some other out-of-the-box card game. And I'm like, yep. $100 is a lot more than you'd ever pay for something like Smash Up or a, but you also a don't normal need like card a whole, box. You don't need, like, a whole box, right? You could probably get the packs that actually have the reprints that sell for anything and then just keep the others and keep them for that purpose, right? And you've probably greatly reduced the cost to you from the box. Yeah. Now, one other difference, and I, I was curious to see what you thought about this, between physical and arena jumpstart is if you're just going to your store and you're slapping down 10 bucks and you get your two jumpstart packs... You have no control whatsoever over what you get, right? You get the booster you right. get is the booster you get. In Arena, when you do the jumpstart, for each of the two boosters, it gives you three options. So you can be like, oh, I know that that booster, either depending on what your concerns are, I know that it doesn't really play that well in Limited, or that's got garbage, a garbage rare in it, probably. You know, I can sit there and be like, hmm, it's given me the option of angels. In, in real life, right, I'd jump for joy at that because I would really like a copy of Linvala and I don't really feel like paying $25 for it. But you don't get to do that. And so I really enjoy that about the arena experience. I enjoy playing it, but also getting to pick out of them gives me an extra kick. I can make sure be like, no, I want the vampire one. I want the elf one. I want the angel one, which are c conveniently for me all good bundles to open value-wise and three of my four, cre in, in, in real life magic, physical magic, are three of the four creature types I collect. <laughs> right. So, Well, I think there's also something that's said for Arena in that even if you get a pack that is not maybe one that you really particularly want or, you know, one of the ways they kind of incentivize you for that is that Right, each of the physical packs have one copy of a land that is themed to the booster that it's in, and they all have that same land, but you only, out of the seven lands in there, you only get one copy of that basic. Whenever you draft the pack in Arena, you unlock that style, so you can have the whole thing, right? You can have all of your lands be Phyrexian lands if you open the Phyrexian booster, which is really nice. It makes me wonder why, like, Wizards, could you not have just put all of those seven basics be the new 
alternate version so that the lands aren't like thirty dollars. Yeah, so I that is one of the things that I was grumpiest about because when they did the previews for that, those basic lands are amazing. They're, they're really good. They're great. I love the thematic stuff. And like a lot of them are really like it's an island made out of books. It's none yeah. of this like the the in unsanctioned the squirrel lands i can like what it, you can like barely maybe see the outline of it just looks like another generic swamp but or a generic mountain or something but you know what yes but but every and here's here's kind of the funny thing right like every every single set they have lands that look good and yeah there's just a limitation to how many decks you can put in land? How excited I can get by a really good-looking but normal-looking land. But the ones from Jumpstart, they're they're great. Or like the, yeah. the fact that you can get a, a Phyrexian Swamp where it's quote-unquote written in Phyrexian, right? That's yeah, it's awesome. Th- th- those are great, and I and I thought that was I'm like that is the best part about this product. Yeah, and then I opened it and I get one. I get one out of the seven. What the heck? It why? And the answer, I write. What is the uh, the answer to all of your questions is money, right? Yep. I mean, it was for whatever reason. Wizards of the Coast decided that it was better to have these be a scarce thing that's hard to get. It's irritating. Like why? I mean, like th- there's right. Yeah, from a production standpoint, there's no reason they couldn't have just made all seven islands or all seven forests have the cool alternate art. Uh, it it's super. It, it kind of reminds me of. I mean, they're in a we're talking a very different price point in a set. We'll talk about it. Something like for for double masters VIP edition, the the literally one hundred dollar booster packs. You get like a dozen full art lands, but only two of them are foil. Sorry, apparently a right. hundred bucks does not just get you a set of foil basic lands. Like you. <laughs> well, I, you know, and I would go, I would go a little bit further than that. Like, okay, if you only, I, I don't know that there's really logic here, but if you only put one of one copy of those lands in the common sets, that'd probably be okay because the common set's going to be open so much more in uh, the, the commons sets typically don't have anything that are super valuable, I think, except for elves. Right, they're going to get open a lot more, they're probably going to get held a lot less, so you can probably, those lands are probably going to be okay, but they're not going to be too bad, price-wise. But, like, Phyrexian's going to be pretty rare to open, so the fact that you only get one out of this pack that you're only going to, it's only going to get opened, like, I don't know, one in every 200 or something, I don't know what the exact stats are, but it's, like, not very good for you to open this pack. It's different for some of the other mythics because some of the other mythics are like the planeswalkers and they come with the planeswalker land. Well, that's fine. You can get the planeswalker lands out of the regular boosters, right? These Phyrexian lands or the the, the library that you're talking about, right, is an uncommon one. They're going to be a lot less common than the common packs, and that's just going to drive the price up even more. So even if you just took those and made you know make them even extra special, you got seven Phyrexian lands or seven you know what uh, unicorn lands if you open the unicorn. Any of the mythics that would make more sense to me. But it's just, no, literally you get one. And I guess that makes that land really expensive. But it's like, also, nobody's going to keep that pack together. Everybody's just going to part that out. Right? Like, everybody's just going to sell off this stuff or use it in their own decks somewhere else. And I haven't even tried to, to math out what things, But yeah, there, there's 121 different unique variations for what you might open. 
and the way that that some things end up being, if I understand correctly, the way that some things end up being more scarce than others is that you might have like above the clouds has four different versions. And so that's a relatively common one. Angels has two different versions. And then Bossery, I'm looking at white ones here, obviously. And then Bossery just has the one different version. And that regulates, I think, how how often they come up. And Right. Yeah, actually, I don't know. That, that seems right, though. Like above the clouds, for example, I think it's something like a quarter of the time your rare is Kira, Great Glass Spinner. A quarter of the time, your rare, your rare is Wind Reader Sphinx. I don't know why I said all white. This one's obviously blue. And then half the time, you get Ineos the Gale Force, but a quarter of the time, you also get a Serendib Efreet in there as a second rare. And so I think that that works out to half of the Ineos packs have a Serendib Efreet, and half of them don't. So there's four different... There's like above the clouds, one, two, three, four. I mean, I, I could go and you could check this for all of them, right? Because they've published all the deck lists and all the different variations. So you could figure it out. But yeah, it's sort of weird. It's interesting to me from an arena point of view of like, which ones should you take? But it's completely meaningless from a physical card's point of view because you have no choice. Right? You get, yeah. what did you get? You get whatever the pack opens. But I, I know on arena, my favorite packs are, I would like to get a Planeswalker pack. Thank you very much. I like elves and vampires and angels. But then... I mean, the sort of other ones. It, a lot of it's a lot of it's just. Do you have like one of the nifty new legendaries in there? Like the disc, like half the time you get tiny bones in the discarding pack. I believe you get twenty five percent. He's twenty five percent. All the mythics are one in the four. Well, that particular one is half tiny bones and half Liliana's re- reaver. I think so. Oh, thank goodness, because tiny bones is like out of everything is the thing I want the most, because I've always liked discard. Black's probably, like, my favorite color in Magic, and he's great. Like, just everything about him is fantastic, so I do not need him being, like, a $50 card. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to see how the value of this is going to shake out, because right now, everything's a $50 right. card, but... I, yeah. I just mean, like, once things, like, more even out, even if, you know, even if the world isn't more back in normal, at least if the supply is not where people are trying to charge $200 for a box of Jumpstart. Yeah, I mean, the the lands one, because you've got a 50-50 chance of getting Oracle of Moldaya, basically. Yeah. I'm kind of curious if Oracle doesn't go down anyways, because we already got an Oracle effect, essentially, in Core 2021, and they just reprinted Azusa. Oracle of Moldaya is one of those cards that's on, on my I-would-like-this-card-for-the-art list, and right. I'm not going to pay that much. To... <laughs> so, like, I could buy a print of that and frame it on my wall for as much as the... The one mill one with Bruvok, the Grandelo- Grandeloquent, Grandeloquent, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, he he's the one and only you get out of that. In the the Minions one, Kel's Fight Fixer, another one of the legendaries, shows up in that half the time. Yeah. And Ghoulcaller Gisa shows up in it a quarter of the time. And then the other yep. quarter of the time is Frexian Tower. Yep. That's all pretty handy to get. I kept picking it constantly if you want mel the unicorns one but uh, other than that it's sort of like eh, what you i I don't know so i guess we've kind of and and of course the funny thing is this is sort of now i guess we've moved beyond uh how does it play into like what do we think about the new cards because i playing it on arena i really like playing it on arena i like being it's yeah 
it's just like buying two packs. I mean, not that I ever actually buy individual packs for a thousand coins on Arena, but no, normally. But I I really like being able to sit down, pay my two thousand, get my chances. I I do kind of wonder how that how I'm gonna feel about that when I sit down and do it more in physical, where I get no control over what I get, and therefore I get worse ones. Right. And as you pointed out, in Arena, once you've gotten the pack once, you can make all your lands that cool thing if you want to. And that's not how it works in the real one. I mean, I would I would honestly like, in some idealized world, I would love to have a little set thing where I have the card that comes with it that says like unicorns or seismic or whatever and then next to that the land like as a little set of pairs in a binder because i think that would look really cool like that's that that only works <laughs> if the lands are like a, a, you know 25 cents or a dollar not if they're 40 bucks you right know? and there is a lot of advantages to playing it on arena and I like the gameplay on arena but there's some things i really didn't like about how they did the arena implementation Plain fact of the matter is just that you have to do it as the event, and apparently it's only running until the middle of August, and they haven't said if they're ever going to bring it back. I mean, obviously they probably will, but part of this is probably them collecting data. And it, right, realistically, it's the same as cost as two packs, but you can't buy them as packs. So there's number one is that it doesn't add to wild cards. Number two is that while yes, you get more selection, it's still very likely that you're going to get three common packs and three common packs. Then also to try and help juice it a little bit, because you're not getting value on some of the other back-end stuff that they've implemented in their economy, once you get two wins, you get two ICRs, two rare or better ICRs from Jumpstart. But the problem, with, but the problem is, number one, you have to get two wins. So even if you open up two terrible packs, like usually you know, it's going to take you about three games to four games probably to get to two wins was my experience because I played a bunch of it. And the reason I was doing playing a bunch of it, besides the fact that it actually was fun, I played more of it than I probably was having fun with it because I actually wanted cards for Historic because I really like Historic. And there's a lot of cards in this that affect Historic because anything that's in Gemstar is now legal in Historic. So you don't get wild card at all. You you do I think get added to your vault, but it's a completely new set and none of it counts the other stuff. And so much of Jumpstart is actually just 2021 reprints. We literally just got 2021 right. And so I bought you know into 2021. I I got the the pass. So you know I'm like working through that trying to get it up. And I spent all my rare wild cards. And so the ICRs don't have any kind of copy protection. Obviously it treats it like a normal draft. So even if you already have four copies of something out of Jumpstart, which it treats as different from 2021, like if there's 2021 rare that you have and you open up, uh, you can open, if you have four Woe Striders or if you have four Bosries even, right, you open up another Bosri, you're going to get another Bosri. If you open up four Jumpstart Bosries and then you open up a fifth, you just, like, I think you get value for your vault for it, but that's like it. And the ICRs have no protection, and they don't look at anything, and they're not even the Jumpstart-specific cards, even. So you can just get Woe Strider as your ICR. I am far from having a full, complete playset of rares, and I had one of my ICRs become gems 
Like, I, and I can't even tell you which card it was that it was that I hit on that I already have four of, because it doesn't even tell you what the card is. It just shows you, oh, hey, you have gems. Normally, you don't see that until you already have a full playset of all of the rares and everything. Or I guess maybe you do, and I just didn't realize it. But it's interesting hearing that side of it because I don't, I don't have enough arena cards that opening a fourth, opening a fifth copy of a rare is a thing. I mean, I might decide. I mean, like, oh, I've got one of this already. Do I need another one for, like, if I if I'm picking which pack to do? But of course I do because having one of something is meaningless in arena because, yeah. unlike in i mean i know there's brawl and arena but like like having one of something versus none of something matters a lot in normal magic because it affects my ability to make rando commander decks and it affects what i can put in my pretty cards binder those are both meaningless in in arena so but i but the main thing is i just i, I don't I, there's almost nothing i have almost no rares that i have four of in arena i just don't open enough packs for that to become an issue well one of the things i like about arena is that you can engage with it about as much as you want to engage with it right like if you're like me and you're like you know i don't have as much time as i want to to put into grinding this but i'm willing to put in some money so that i can just you know go ahead and unlock so i can build the decks that i like because i want to do some weird brewing or, or whatever i i can do that generally the problem I've had with Arena, and it's not just Jumpstart, is that if you're going at it like you are with, with like a baseline or like a medium amount of engagement, or you're just looking at targeting certain decks, you're probably fine. But if you're actually trying to get like a playset, a collection online, unless you just draft all the time, it gets very expensive. Like it, and even if you're drafting, and you know, unless you are actually are very good at the environment, it, it gets very, very expensive pretty quickly. And also, if you're drafting a whole bunch, you're not playing with the constructed version of it. So it's like, it, it, you know, it, I feel like it has this push-pull where I, I just really want them to tweak the economy so I can reasonably finish. I can get a lot of cards for like $50, but the next $50 gets me way less cards than I need. Like, it's just way, way less. And every every amount more that you put into the game like, and it's not just the amount more you put into the game. Also, the time that you put into the game gets you less and less and less out of the game. So it, like, really feels like it's squeezing in a really weird way. Because you would think the people that you are going to spend are not the ones you'd want to, like, super squeeze like that. You'd think you'd want to do, like, medium, whatever. Sorry, I know that's kind of a general complaint, but it it's kind of fed into how how it came. And it's a lot of it's specific to me because I've spent a lot of my rare wild cards so that a lot of the stuff that I want, I can't really craft right now. So I'm in like this really weird place because I don't want to put, uh, I actually do have gems in there, but I don't want to buy an old set that I already have everything of to try and get wild cards to get, you know, I'd rather just buy some jumpstart packs, but I don't want to go and jump, uh, do a uh, jumpstart packs because there's no rare protection and I can just get bad commons and I feel obligated to play it at least to get two wins or else I feel like I'm not really getting my full value out of it. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would not want to open jumpstart and then not get my two wins for my two free rares. But I, luckily for me, my, uh, any completionist notions I have do not extend to arena. I mean, at least with MTGO, there was, is, I don't know, like there was the whole like, hey, you can cash in a complete set for physical cards. There is, it, it's time limited, but yes. But yeah, whereas arena... It has, has nothing. You're not wrong. I just want to clarify really quick. I'm really not looking to be a completionist to get four of everything, 
like really all I want is that, you know, frequently you need mythic rares to make competitive decks, right? So mythic rares are the hardest to get. And it gets to be like, I don't want four of every mythic rare, but I want four of like half the mythic rares, or at least three of half the mythic rares. And it just gets really expensive and hard to do that. I just want like a more efficient way of doing like even just buying wild cards would feel better to me than trying to like buy old packs. Anyway, that's that's really where I'm coming from. So new new cards of of note. I yeah, I don't know. Tiny bones you mentioned that seems noteworthy. Muxus is kind of a bonkers little goblin, big goblin. I'm you know what? It probably won't work out, but like life like I it is never I don't think it's ever going to be a thing in like serious real competitive magic, but it does seem like life gain decks are a much more viable, like at least playable thing to do in a standard format. And which of the Moors is one heck of a bonus for the whole like you gained life this turn, they sacrifice a creature and you get one back. But oddly enough, other than I'd like to get Bruvok, uh, because, you know, milling. But the thing that stood out the most, actually, about the the new things is that I am tired of them making commander stuff. Like, trying to make commander stuff. Not not I'm tired of them making products that work well with the with commander. Like, commander decks are great and like phrasing cards so they work well in multiplayer and stuff like that but when they print not just a lot of legendaries but they print these legendaries with goofy off-color stuff which has no function whatsoever except to change the creature's color identity for commander i don't know why it is that irritates me i don't know why either they did this in uns in uh unsanctioned they deliberately made all the multicolor creatures have these pointless off-color activations. Uh, they did it in Core 2020. Well, and they there's the cycle of five of these, right? I like why on earth does Emil the Blessed have a which is just a mono-white card have an a, a hybrid? It's like it's a hybrid mana activation. It's not even like it actually has an off-color activation where you have to spend. It's a hybrid activation. Yeah, they they just need to stop doing that. It irritates me. <laughs> okay. It's incredibly unelegant. I don't agree with this, but it, obviously we have different opinions on it. Sure, sure. That, that's why there's two of us instead of just me rambling. <laughs> yeah. I, I like it. I mean, I don't entirely agree with Command. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of split on Commander's stuff anyways, because there's a lot of times where I want to build a deck and I'm like, oh, okay, like I want to build Tiny Bones, right? Tiny Bones doesn't have a colored activation anything. So it's really weird, like, like Kenrith, right, is a five-color commander, even though he's only a white card, because they gave him a different color for each activation. But he's not one that screams to you, hey, this should be a multicolor card, necessarily. At the same point, Tiny Bones, there's a lot of enablers in other colors that I want to run with, and I'm thinking, sitting here thinking, like, oh, cool, this is all the stuff I can put in this deck. And they're like, no, you can't put any of that in this deck, because he's just black, right? His casting cost has black mana, his activated ability has black mana, so the only cards he can have are black cards, which is, I don't know, like, I don't know how much you ever really balance for Commander. None of the Jumpstart are really going to be balanced in a way that they're going to be great anywhere outside of Commander, I don't think. 
but I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I just I, I think it's okay, especially for the uh, for these because they're split mana. If you just want to still build a monocolor deck, you can. But if you actually want to splash another color, that lets you do that. Oh, but but see, that's never going to happen because because their right, restrictions matter. And I, I mean, and I and I absolutely get what you're talking about with the whole. It, it restricts what you want to do. Yes, this is a mono black commander. In commander, having a mono color commander greatly limits what you can do with that. But right, they can't all be like seven color commanders. And like, I can't use Thassa for my commander for the Thassa. I can either use Kiora nor Thassa for my Kiora versus Thassa deck because one of them is uh, mono oh, blue and one of them's not a creature. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, so it, it, yeah, I have to pick some other blue, blue, or blue green. So, I mean, I, I get that it, it comes up, but right, just, but that's what they have multicolor commanders. And the reason why I say what you're not going to is an option, and I, I acknowledge that there's, again, that there's irrationality in here, is that if I have a commander that is actually a two color commander, I, I, I'm not going to voluntarily restrict myself to one color. That would feel terrible. I would never do that. <laughs> well, so I, I think there's some things to be, like the single color. I don't necessarily mind. I don't. I feel two ways about this. Number one, in Jumpstart, they're just never going to make you a dual color commander, right? Because the packs are single color except for five color. So it just seems highly unlikely that you'd ever, because it's also an intro product, that you probably want to just keep it one color. So that's why they are like that, right? I absolutely get why they're like that. It's because it has to be a monocolor card, but you want to make it useful for Commander, which is exactly what they did in Unsanctioned. You had a card that needed to function as monocolor, but you wanted to make it two-color for purposes... And you know what my answer to that is? Then don't print that card in this set. Not every single Magic product has to have cards that are specifically designed for this particular commander niche if you want to make a white green commander that does what mel the blessed does print it as a white green card in corset 2021 I, I mean it doesn't have to be in jumpstart just make some mono white unicorn in jumpstart and make some green white unicorn commander thing in corset 2021 and then my trivial irrelevant problem is solved i mean i get what you're saying but at the same point like it broadens what you know the appeal for each product, and right, it doesn't really affect you if you just want to make a mono white deck. You can just make a mono white deck and ignore the green on there. I can't. I can't. <laughs> well, the, well, the thing to me too is it's weird. What happens in core sets is frequently right is things like Kaikar, who never really had an actual deck for core twenty, who never had an actual deck, but there was that cycle of multicolor that clearly they meant for them to be commanders. But, and then they put them in Mythic, so you didn't have to worry about seeing them in Draft too much. But they didn't really function in Standard for the most part. I actually had like a Kaikar Brawl deck that was pretty fun, but he was not competitive. And I have more of a problem with that, I guess, than I do with the command the people in Jumpstart, because people in Jumpstart are all useful. There's none of, them, none of them that are bad, in my opinion, right? Mule is very good. Kells is uh, all-star in that deck. All of them in their own packs actually function and work are and are what you want. So the fact that they work for Commander 2, I don't think is really that big of a thing. Whereas, like like I said, with Core 20, they were very clearly just kind of Commander cards. Even Core 21 feels closer to like, okay, these could actually be some standard, see some standard play. Because, you know, they're, they're not going to be like overly powerful, but obviously people are going to want them. Things like the Devil's 
like, yeah, I, I guess I can understand that, but like, it still is a devil, and it's a devil lord, and it's something they haven't had before. I'm sorry it annoys you. <laughs> I think is what it comes down to. And I, I get it, right? They are, it is probably the case, or almost surely the case, that the number of people who appreciate getting extra commandery things in Jumpstart greatly exceeds the number of people, possibly just the me, who knows, who find irritating the inelegance of slapping a hybrid mana activation cost on something for no purpose whatsoever other than to make it a commander. But it, it's... To be fair, you kind of sound like Mark Rosewater when you say that, so I don't think it's just you. Yes, I mean, to some extent, a designery sort of thing. And I know Mark has his whole thing about thinking hybrid mana should not function in the way that it does in Commander, although although it, it would still have the thing for Commander this, because you still colors. could make it. I mean, the thing that he wants to work differently is for you to be able to take a hybrid card and say, I have a mono-white Commander. This green-white hybrid card can be played in my mono-white deck. I don't know. I right. it's, It is interesting. I actually... I found these things vexing, but I... It, regardless, but a few days ago, I actually read an article, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but that basically... The, the position of this article was that the worst things about Commander are when Wizards deliberately tries to make things for Commander. Yep. And their their postulates were basically Planeswalkers as Commanders, Partner, and Eminence, I think, were their, their examples of things that they thought were bad for Commander, and that they were all Wizards trying to make cards specifically for commander and this obviously this isn't bad for commander this isn't bad for anything except my sense of elegance or something or i i I, don't get me wrong i acknowledge that this is a very personal sort of thing but man it's vexing i don't know what's i don't know what else matters here that much and that there's a few more rares for the new stuff it they round out the number of dogs because if you want to make a dog deck there really aren't that many dogs they really round out the number of unicorns there's a lot of new unicorns relatively speaking not just emio i kind of a little bit speaking of what you say it actually bothers me a little bit that kells is black blue in her activation i really would rather it be black red because black red is a sacrifice combination not really black blue if if anything was black blue hybrid i kind of wish it was tiny boats i wish it was like four black blue black blue it's kind of weird to me that she ended up black blue. Anyways, sorry, that they must have had their like these are the ones that are commander. Yeah, because Kells can't be black red, which you're absolutely right. In standard, that would be a sacrifice deck because the Herloon General Sethron is it Sethron Sethron? I don't know. Let's say Sethron because Sethron is black red, right? And it's new too. Like I like. I mean for. From Altergold, I like the Inia's, the Gale Force. I, that's pretty entertaining. Let's just make everybody take everybody else's cards. Uh, go to town. Yeah, it is. I actually watched a, a, a real, a, like a gameplay version of it, and the person attacking didn't realize it happened before. Uh, like it happens when you attack, so before blockers are declared. So ended up like misdoing it, but it was still very funny <laughs> where everything ended up. To me, that's what I want out of Commander. I like Commander cards that trigger on attacking and that make people attack. I don't, I don't like super competitive Commander, and I don't like Commander where people just like where everybody just turtles up and nobody wants to attack. I'm like, it, 
you know, that you got to go at, I, I don't know. The other new thing, I, and I think this feels more commander relevant than anything, but maybe they're better than I think they are, is the Thriving Lands. I mean, they come into play tapped. Oh, yeah. The fact that there's flexibility in what the second color can be does not seem anywhere close to good enough to make those standard relevant, but I, I always like it when there's no. just more options out there for like 7,000 color commander decks, that kind of thing. Well, it's great for like for budget commanders, which which is great, great because those thriving lands are, there's probably going to be a ton of them that are out in the wild, and um, are probably, I imagine, going to be fairly inexpensive. They're probably going to get reprinted to the ground, which is fine. And it's kind of cool that you can do, like, you know, budget commander deck five color with those lands, probably. Those are probably great for five color. I just like them out there as an option. It, I mean, yeah, if I was opening yeah. them as rares in a booster pack, I'd, you know, throw them at the wall or something, but that's <laughs> yeah. not what they are. No, I don't think that ever... So... Well, because, I mean, in a lot of ways, right, they're just objectively worse than the one color land, unless you're doing three color or more decks. The tap lands that give you a life. Yes, they they're they're atrocious. They're atrocious as two color lands. The I mean, they keep reprinting those as commons, like they're in Corsa twenty twenty one again, right? They just I come into play and I'm two colors. Those are those are atrocious. If you're not at least three colors, these are still uh, atrocious. From a, a really, it really feels like once you're in four or five is probably where even in budget commander land they start to be more relevant or or start to actually be relevant. But but still, right. But there have there have been so many recent inexpensive cards that are just like, hey, you ignore color requirements. <laughs> Even then, it's maybe they'll see play, maybe they won't. Yeah, and then I'm not sure what's out of the reprint. It's it's kind of interesting. The my perspective on reprints half the time is like, there's how they affect historic, which actually matters. But because these don't, it's it's kind of like double masters will be right. What gets reprinted there? To me, it's sort of all about like, are these things that I am like I I want and don't have? Because if I already have it, I kind of don't care. And if I didn't want it anyway, I kind of don't. I mean, it like it's. I mean, I already know that you know this effect is or isn't going to become relevant. So I I like that they get more reprints out there, but it's sort of very personal to to what I have or not that seems to matter for these. I mean, it's things like. I'm glad that they're reprinting Goo Caller Gisa because I would like one and I don't have one or Linvala. Or, yeah. And she was $40. Uh, yes. Well, and that. Or yes. 25. She was 25. Because if I want them and they're cheap, then I usually get yes. them. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, I, I was telling you before that I was looking at doing like like a Halloween set of like four commander decks to play against each other that were not looking to be super powerful, but just more thematic. And so I was looking at all the Stitcher stuff, right? So it's going to be basically an Innistrad box. But Ghoul Color Geese is the only one out of all of those cards that is worth anything, and she's worth like 25. And she was worth like half the rest of the deck. So more reprints to get her cheaper, I'm all for. Depending on the cards, sometimes they're a bit cheaper, sometimes they're not that much cheaper, but hopefully at least they right. stop it from skyrocketing anymore. But yeah, so for me, it's like I, I would like a copy of Exquisite Blood and Ghoul Color Geese. Uh... Well, and it might also be that it doesn't do anything until they actually get it more into production. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, right now, I don't think it's really changing anything. But, I mean, you, you saw that a bit with the mystery boosters. There are cards there. There are reprints in the mystery boosters that, at least for now, and they will probably go back up. Oh, yeah. Have, have you, did you look at 
have you seen Mana Crypt? Mana Crypt went went from like one twenty five, one thirty, I think, down to like almost less than a hundred for a little while, and then it got actually because Mystery Boosters was what like March or something, March April. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic or a little bit after. It is back up. To, it was back up to like one twenty five, one thirty, but then it got announced in Double Masters, and it's back down to a hundred now. And Double Masters will come out, and for a limited period of time, it will be a bit cheaper. And then it will go right back up to where it was because they're, you're just you're not adding enough quantity of those things to really ultimately make a difference. But it does like I mean I, I'm looking at lower end stuff like Marchesa is her mystery booster version is like half of what her her price was before this. And right. and but I I don't know how long that's gonna gonna last. So probably I mean it's nice to see the stuff get out here. I know. I mean, I, I'm sure that there will be something that causes the problem in historic. I know, right when we talked, like, Muxus is an issue, but Muxus, of course, is a brand new card, not a reprint. Right. To me, at least, and some other people that I watch stream or whatever, I kind of agree, seem to agree, it's less that Muxus is the problem and more that Skirt Prospector letting you reliably get him on turn three is the problem. Well, I do recall many Magic people saying that one of the important things about Magic is the way that your mana increases by one per turn at most really helps you effectively regulate what cards and stuff. So yes, yeah, I mean, th things that let you accelerate stuff out, always a potential issue, right? Yeah. But there's an interesting ray, especially for me, like there's a, a, a pile of black ones for whatever reasons of black cards I'd, I'd kind of like to like oh maybe that will uh bring my target price down a little bit essentially like all my vampires i would like to, i would yeah. like to open in real life <laughs> the vampire set several times yeah I, I had exquisite blood when i back when it was actually out i had the exquisite blood i think there was like a sorcery that like would do half their life so it was just a combo and so i, I really wanted you know I've always wanted Exquisite Blood again since then because it, I didn't have enough cards to make it good back then. So I definitely want it, and it's like $25. I'm like, I don't... The, the only reason it's $25 is because of Commander because it has so many different infinite combos that you can do with it, or well, there's a couple. Because there's a lot of things that are like, when you gain life, people take damage, but Exquisite Blood is the only effect, I think, in the game that's when your opponent loses life, you gain, which is what, it, you know, enables the, the combo, what, what enables the loot. But... I don't know what that card really needs to be $25, $27. It's like Rhystic Studies. Like, it's a good card, but is it really $27? Well, I mean, it is what it is. And yes, it is. that <laughs> You know. Ultimately, my main takeaway over Jumpstart is that I was kind of like, eh, on it. I'd been thinking, oh, I'm never going to get to play this anyway, because I don't have, right, because nothing, we're not physically doing anything right now. But just playing it on Arena, I... I have had a bunch of fun playing it on Arena. It was more fun than I was expecting it to be. I expect there to be ways that it it works out well in physical magic, and I that I wasn't quite sure how it was. I, I do think I'm going to have some disappointments whenever I play it in physical magic because I'm going to have no control whatsoever yeah. over what I pick, and I'm I will acknowledge that my thing about like the the off color activation hybrid activations of the commanders is is personal and silly, but they should have made all seven of those lands the good the the special lands all seven of them like there's yes. if somebody wants to like 
take that jumpstart concept and make it out into like a full deck, they should be able to get 20 of those islands, of those book islands, or 20 of those Phyrexian swamps, and not have them cost a, a billion dollars. Because they're gonna come down because jumpstart is just way too expensive right now because of the scarcity, but they're not going to come down to where I would like to see them for alt-art basic lands. Yeah. I also was pretty surprised, and most of the people I've watched, because I watch a, a bunch of different streamers, most people were pretty surprised with how much they liked the gameplay. Like, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, maybe not surprised, but pleasantly surprised. You know, whether or not they expected to or not, most people seem to have really enjoyed it. I just wish, on Arena, my problems with collection aside, I wish there was some other ways to do it. Like, if you collect the packs, it doesn't tell you... Like, it could check the lands to see if you collected those packs. I'd like to be able to... You know, I've got a few friends who don't want to super invest in Magic in uh, Arena, and it'd be nice to be able to play some Jumpstart against them, right? Just with some decks that we have, take some of my packs that I already have, you know, randomize them, and let us do a, a private direct game with the ones that I've opened or whatever, right? Right now, if you want to play against somebody, you have to export the pack, the, export the deck, and then in direct have them have exported the deck or you can build it if you want to look up the lists and then play against each other but i just would like some of that kind of shuffle building type of feel of we both get random stuff that we're going to play against each other or whatever that that would be really fun against a lot of people and i bet it could get a lot of people actually more interested in magic with that like the gameplay is really good i wish the packs were a little bit more balanced like if i were to in real life to keep these around to do it i would probably tweak the packs because i think some of the packs are just a little too consistent and some of them have like really questionable cards like okay this pack is good except for like these two cards and if you replace these two cards it would be as good as consistent as like elves but so i'm not sure why you know obviously there's a lot of reasons why they do stuff and there's a lot of cards so part of it is probably just a limited amount of time they can play test it but Overall, I really like it. Like, I, I think overall it's a success for all of the all of my quibbles with it. Okay, we've been talking about Jumpstart, the most recent Magic the Gathering expansion, and as far as I can tell, that statement will be true for a month? another week and a half. <laughs> they already. When does Double Masters come out? First week of August. Pre-release pre-release is next weekend. Yeah, week and a half best. Within within a week and a half of this episode coming out, you will have seen all of Double Masters. You will physically have Double Masters cards. It's so much. Yeah. And then there's Zendikar Rising and there's Commander Legends. But for at this particular moment in time, Jumpstart is the newest Magic Gathering expansion. It's very hard to get in stores right now, but you can check it out in Arena. You mentioned earlier, Mike, that it's not a limited print run. It is unlimited. But I don't know what it, we don't know what its window is. Usually, the window for a normal set is when the next I think is when the next set comes out. I don't. I think the window is how well it sells. Maybe it's until Corset 2022 comes out. Who knows? But it, it's definitely worth checking out. It's definitely some fun gameplay. Uh, like like I said, I think it'll probably end up being an evergreen welcome product. Like it just fits a lot of niches really well, and it's pretty easy to update and just update the packs or whatever. And that seems to be what a lot of people want. I mean, some of it depends. There's, Like you mentioned, there's a lot of the cards that are in Corset 2021. So presumably, when you updated it, you would need to really swap a lot of that out for whatever is in Corset 2022 if if you're continuing to tie it into a core set. And heck, yeah. maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you could have just... That would be... It would be a... You know what? It would be a nightmare to have constantly updated uh, 
jump starts from a from a skew standpoint as I I'm thinking like they're gonna do with the list for Zendikar. Anyhow. Right. But but you you wouldn't actually have to sell it as separate products though, right? You could just actually sell it as jumpstart. People might not like it initially, but I, I think like a target most people aren't really gonna care necessarily. I, I, I don't know. Oh that would be weird. Like there's no indication whether or not it's jumpstart one point or one point two. I think that would drive people batty. I think it might if I was going to open them for like collecting purposes, it would drive me batty, but I'm I'm not going to. But anyhow, yeah, yeah. that is it for Jumpstart and Magic: The Gathering. Despite the fact that the next Magic set comes out in you know a week and a half, my guess is that our next two episodes will be something about Mansions of Madness and then something about Gen Con Online, which which will be over in a week. <laughs> it will be over yep. before Double Masters comes out, so we'll we'll have something about that. But You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there or at whatever your preferred podcatching service is. If Strange Assembly is not available on your podcatching service, please do drop me a line and I can address that situation. I'm Chris at strangeassembly.com. I always like to hear your comments, critiques, and feedback. You can also reach us on the usual social media. We're at Strange Assembly on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly, and at Strange Assembly on Instagram. If you do enjoy this podcast or our website, you have a few ways that you can help support us. The simplest is that if you go to your podcatching service, but especially if your podcatching service is iTunes or Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a rating or review. That helps people find the show. And if you really, really love us, you can find us at patreon.com slash strangeassembly. But until then, for Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.